Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Psychic Teachers. I'm your host, Samantha Fay, And I'm Deb Bowen. And today we're doing our monthly question and answer show where we get to hear from you all and share some of the wonderful stories and questions you guys have sent in. We really appreciate you all taking the time to do that. If you have a question or story that you want to submit for the show, you can always email us psychicteachers at gmail.com. So just pick up your cup of coffee or tea or glass of wine, no judgment here, and pretend you're sitting around the virtual table with Deb and myself. Would you like to start us off? I'm delighted to do so. So this question says, as I was sweeping and redecorating my outdoor decor, I noticed a random rose quartz lying under a bush. I didn't touch it as I was kind of taken aback by this random beautiful rose quartz that looked almost as if it had been placed there. The reason I'm reaching out is to see if it's safe to touch it. My initial thought when I saw this email was, it's rose quartz. It's about love. It's about connection. It's about caring. Now, I agree that it's weird that it showed up just suddenly under your bush. I mean, I think that's kind of interesting. But my thought was your story, Samantha, about the first stone that showed up in in your life. And I have certainly had mysterious rocks show up and not known where they came from or why I had them. And I just trust that universal energy that brings me rocks. There's some kind of rock energy fairy person thing that happens. And I just accept that and am grateful for it. And particularly with something like rose quartz, I would say, you know, either leave it where it is, because I have a gigantic piece of rose quartz that's bigger than a football that lives by my front door that just lives out outside on the porch. But if you want to pick it up and bring it inside and wash it off, you can wash rose quartz in water and then do something else with it, that would be fine too. But it's certainly, it's rose quartz. I can't think of it being anything but positive and lovely. Oh yeah, there's no negative to rose quartz. It's one of the best stones for love and unconditional love and forgiveness and acceptance and self-acceptance. And I see this as just a beautiful gift from the universe, a gift of love being given to you. And I think that's that's a great thing. So I definitely think it is safe to touch it and keep it around and you know put it in your pocket or take it to someone and have it wired so you can wear it in a necklace. I'm not sure what size it is, but I think it's a beautiful thing when this happens. Now, one time, so I have had several stones that just appeared, you know, the first one in my office at work and the second one on my bedside table. And it is kind of strange when that happens, but I did have a stone appear in a plant in my house. And it was during that time when my kids were really into fairies, Deb, and we had the fairy tree and all sorts of magical, cool things were happening around that time. And I remember you know, maybe I'm a selfish bee at heart, Deb. I don't know. Because I'm watering this plant. It was a, a lily plant, a peace lily. And I'm watering it. And there's this clear quartz crystal at the bottom of, you know, top of the soil. And I'm like, oh, another gift from the fairies. Thank you very much. And I reached my hand in to pick it up and it just shattered. And I knew that stone was for that plant. It wasn't for me. Not everything's for you, Samantha. It was for that plant. So maybe that's why she was thinking, like, is it safe to touch? Because is it is it for this nature? Is it for the bush? Well, you could pick it up and find out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean that to be smart, Elke. I don't mean it that way at all. 
Okay, no, if I could admit to being a selfish bee with crystals, you could admit to being smart alecky sometimes too. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm really, I'm not, in this case, I'm not. I, I'm very, very serious. If, for example, following what you've just told us, she picks this rock up and it shatters, then she could go get another piece of rose quartz and put back under the bush. That's right? You could have done that with clear quartz in the, in the flower pot. Well, I mean, it just, it, it crumbled into all levels of the, of the soil. So I just, I, the way it, the way it broke apart, I knew it was for that plant and not for me. I have a feeling that's not going to happen to her, but that's just me. I do too. I think, I think this is a gift of love for her. Our next one says, I recently decided to start talking with my crystals. Since I use them in meditation, I figured they might have some interesting things to tell me. So I said to them, please reveal your secrets and spiritual powers to help me on my journey. I was taking a nap today wearing a kyanite amethyst black tourmaline bracelet that I had just bought that day. In the dream, a creature that looked like a small sea ray came flying through the air and landed in front of me. It was blue and white like my kyanite crystal. It caressed me with its flipper and was very innocent and childlike in its personality. It made a noise that can only be described as very non-threatening. It had quite a personality and somehow made known its intentions without saying a word. I am convinced it was the spirit of Kainai. It had such a lighthearted, happy vibe about it. I don't know if you've ever talked about communicating with crystals, so I thought I'd pass this on. I know I can't be the only one who believes they have things to tell us. Wow. Okay. I, I've never done that. I've never really asked my crystals to talk to me. I think that's have you weird. not? No, I've thanked them for working with me and I've meditated with them just by trying, like I love to stare inside a crystal. I love to look at its growth patterns. I guess I'm very boring when it comes to, I've never said, talk to me, walk with me. What's going on? I've never done that. Smith, I've done that for years. And do you get responses, Deb? Yes, Samantha. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have certain stones that over the years, We've made agreements to work together on certain issues or questions or topics or guidance. And you know this because you, you do it too. We both have way too many probably pieces of, of clear quartz points. And don't you have clear quartz points that do certain things with you and have, you have agreements to, that you yes. work together on? Did you not ask the stone to help you with that? Yes. But and did it not respond to you in some way? No, it did not. It, so it was assumed that what you wanted was going to happen. Yeah. Wow. That's not nice. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I guess what, what I'm saying here is, okay, here's an example. <clears throat> when I have gotten a new stone and I've read what Melody wrote about the rock and, you know, and talked to Joel about it's, chemical makeup and all that stuff. I've learned all sorts of things about this rock that I can from other sources. But part of what I also do is I hold it in my hands and I sit and meditate with it. And I say, just talk to me. Just tell me what I need to know so that you and I best communicate together. And often I get answers. Here's an example. I, I realized some while back that I needed a piece of valentinite. Valentinite is helpful in publishing and getting things published. Uh, and you remember, because you and Joel worked with me to be brave enough to buy this, what to me is an expensive rock. So, I, but I did, I bought it, I got it, I got it here. I cleaned it, I, I did all the things you do to it to sanctify a stone after it's been through wherever it's been before it gets to me. And then I sat with it literally sat holding it in my hand in meditation. And I just said, can we negotiate? Can we talk about what I think is your job? And are you willing to help me personally? And I sat with that rock and, and to wait to see what it would say. I don't even know how to describe it to you because this is a dense rock. It is not a pretty rock. If you pass this rock on the road, on a gravel road, you'd walk right by it. So I'm holding it in my hand. And the rate at which it spoke and the timbre of its voice was deep. And it was just, yes, we will work together. And it has. I mean, look what's happened with publishing stuff for me since I got that rock. 
I think that's a beautiful story. What what I tend to do is like, say, for example, I have a, a clear quartz piece with a parallelogram shaped window pointing to the left. Well, that's called a left timeline activator. And it is said to help you recall events from your past or past lives that you need to remember and recall to help you with anything going on in your life right now. So one time I took one of those crystals and I just said, I would love to have a dream about my past life. Thank you very much. And I kept it under my pillow. And after 10 or 11 days, I had a dream about a past life that was very reflective of something going on in my current life. But the crystal didn't, you know, talk to me and say, yes, I can do that. So that's, I don't mean I don't talk to them. I just mean, it's more like, I know it, I know that stone had a job to do and I asked it to help me with that job. Absolutely. But there's the key. The stone may have the job cosmically set to do X, Y, Z, but will it work with you specifically in what it's intended to do? Right. So that's, that's that. But you know, and you and I've talked about this too. We both have tumbled stones, not just raw stones, but we have tumbled stones in our, in our world. And you and I both could reach our hand with our eyes closed into a bowl of those rocks and touch one, and with our eyes closed, say what we were holding in our hands, right? Yes. Yes, we can do that. I was a little ashamed of myself, Deb. I went to a very well-known crystal store in Asheville last week, and I was so excited to go, and I was like, ooh, I'm going to get a new rock I don't have. I spent about an hour in that store Deb, I have all the stones that they were offering in there. And I don't mean I have like the highest or the best AAA grade, but I had a representation of every stone in there. And I was looking around going, Samantha, girl, you got too many rocks. That's right. We do. We do have too many rocks. But what we also have is a relationship with those rocks. Yes. Like when you put your hand into a bowl of tumbled stones that you live with and you can you can pick one up and with your eyes closed, you know what you've got in your hand. And it's not just because of the shape or or the size specifically, it's that connection that you have with it. How many times over the years, and how many of you listening to this episode say, you know, I got a whole lot of rocks, but I can't remember what they're all called or where I got them. I mean, that's that's fairly common and normal, and I think I probably do too. But there are many of them that I have built a true relationship with. I mean, you know, we've heard me say that there are certain rocks that if this house was burning down, I'd run out the door with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's an important thing and a, and a good way to start working with crystals and bringing them into your life. I do too. Okay, let's move on. So our next question says, I had the most beautiful experience this morning on my drive to work. On my commute, I was merging to the far right lane to take my exit when something bright white caught my attention. As I got closer, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was trying to watch the road but focused on this beautiful white bird. I didn't have to focus for long because the bird came and flew alongside my car along the long curve of the exit ramp, almost as if it were following me. Uh, once I stopped at the red light at the end of the ramp, the bird dove down and swept over the hood of my car before flying away. I want to add that there were other cars on this ramp behind me and in front of me, but this bird clung to my side. This was, without a doubt, one of the most magical experiences I've ever had. The logical, scientific part of my brain knows how rare this sighting is, but the spiritual side of me knows that nothing is impossible when God and our spiritual team want to get a message to us. The sweet visitor wanted to make sure I saw it, but I'm dying to know what its message could be. I've been researching the spiritual meaning of white doves all morning. Online, it speaks mostly of peace, love, and harmony, as you would expect. Do you have any insight? I'd also like to add that I noticed two morning doves in my backyard a few weeks ago. They sat side by side in the grass for a while. They stood out to me because I hadn't seen them around before. Thank you for this lovely story and what a great gift you've, you've been given to, to have that bird fly with you. I think one of the things that we do with our connection to the animal kingdom is that we want them to sometimes 
do a lot more than, than they are meant to do. And that's what doves do. They are that symbol of peace and hope. I keep going back. In fact, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. When we go back to that story of Noah and the ark and the dove who brought the, you know, the olive branch and whatnot, that was also more than, more than peace. It was hope. It was promise. And so the message that we get from the, an animal person is the message that the animal person brings. So my guess is that this dove came to you as, as did the morning doves too, by the way, as a way of saying to you, it is, it is perhaps time to examine what brings you peace in your life, what helps you to be more peaceful, what can you do to be more peaceful. Sometimes they come to us to remind us of things we need to do or think or be or say. So peace and to bring you hope. And what is it you hope for? And what is it that you give in terms of hope to the world? So I would, I would invite you to think about, about those messages and how they pertain to your life at this very moment in time. I'm teaching a course in September about uh, how to connect with animal people that we know are our guides. This is one of the things I'm going to be talking about in that course, is how do you really deeply connect to the energy of a particular being, in this case, a winged being, and the message that they came to you to deliver? And what a gift. You know, sometimes they sometimes they kind of knock us on the head. Like, that's, a, that's an odd situation you have with this bird flying along beside you. And that's really a wake-up call. And what a lovely, what a lovely gift to come from you, from that bird. And I wonder if it's about love too, because morning doves do mate for life and they are always seen together for the most part. I remember I was doing a reading years ago in that little office I had above the yoga studio and it overlooked a beautiful tree that would brush up against the window. And I was doing a reading for this woman who was, you know, just trying really hard to get over a divorce. And these two morning doves were just perched on the branch and they kept calling out with their little mournful cry. So it was interrupting my my flow of communication, right? I kept looking over at them, looking over at them. I didn't even know there were morning doves at this point, Deb. I've learned a lot about nature since I've known you. I thought they were like different pigeons. I don't know. Anyway, and it, it kept happening. And finally, I just made note of it. And she goes, oh, those are, more, those are Carolina morning doves, I think she said. And so we were looking up the meaning of them. And I think it was trying to tell her, you have to mourn this divorce in order to make room for new love in your life. And she did that. It took her a long time. It wasn't like overnight. That's something else I think is important to keep in mind with these signs. We think it means, ooh, something's happening to us right now. For me, when I see these signs and they're so spectacular, like this listener has shared, it's usually just the start, like turning the page of a new chapter, but not necessarily writing that chapter or living that chapter just yet. So it took her about a year to get through that divorce in terms of really releasing some of her hurt and pain. And then she did. She she let new love in and uh, they have a child together now. She's been married for years. But anyway, so I think that the two morning doves can represent something that she has to release and make peace with in order to allow more peace and love into her life. Great. Our next one says, I used to be one of those listeners that upon hearing other folks' stories about receiving a sign from spirit would think, good for them, but that will never happen to me. I'm writing to let you know that in spite of my initial doubts, I have finally heard from my spirit guides loudly and clearly. I hope that in sharing my story, I can reach and inspire someone that may be feeling just as I did and can perhaps provide a little hope and encouragement to them. It all started when I read Samantha's book, The Awake Dreamer. I thoroughly enjoyed it and was particularly excited to try Napoleon Hill's dream team exercise. I spent a couple of days assembling my personal dream team, including the likes of Princess Diana, Joan of Arc, and Eleanor Roosevelt, and asked them one night how I could improve the state of my marriage. My wife and I had been going through a bit of a rough patch at the time. I didn't remember my dreams right away, so I had to repeat the experiment a few times. One night, I finally had a vivid dream and remembered it the next morning. 
I dreamed that I was pet sitting a red parrot for a couple of friends of mine. The bird flew up to me because it was hungry and realized, and I realized I'd forgotten to feed it and didn't know where its food was. I felt so awful. The dream ended there. My interpretation was that the parrot represented my marriage and that perhaps in my waking life, I needed to focus more on my wife and give our relationship more time and effort than I had been. I would have been thrilled just to have received an answer to my question thanks to my own personal dream team, but the synchronicities didn't stop there. A few weeks prior to having that dream, I'd listened to one of your Q&A shows from last year and heard people sharing their success stories about asking their spirit guides for signs. I believe the general rule of thumb you two explained was to ask your guides to provide you with a specific sign within three days. I decided to ask my guides to show me a red train car. One day passed, then two, then three. There was no sign of the red train car. I was crushed. Flash forward again to the day after my dream about the red parrot. I was working at my desk, listening to music in my earbuds, listening to a playlist of songs recommended for me based on my music taste. So all the songs were brand new and unfamiliar to me. At one point, I looked at my phone and realized the song that was playing was called Red Birds by Fan Fiction. I thought to myself, what an odd coincidence. I was just dreaming about a red bird last night. I continued working, mildly amused by this seeming coincidence, until at one point I noticed a lyric that stood out to me. Let's roll through New York City and ride the Redbirds. And then suddenly I had this thought. Were there trains referred to as Redbirds? I immediately remembered the sign I'd asked my spirit guides for, and at that moment I just had to know. I dropped what I was doing and Googled New York City Redbirds. What I found shocked and delighted me. So-called Redbirds were eight New York City subway train models so nicknamed because of their red paint. So there it was. Not only did I receive help from my dream team the night before, I also received confirmation the day after from my spirit guides that they were very much with me and happy to give me the sign I'd asked for. Even though the sign showed up three weeks later instead of the three days I'd asked for, I do not doubt that these two messages came directly from spirit. The close timing of the two events was just remarkable. I have no doubt that things worked out exactly like they were supposed to for me. I'll wrap up by saying that for anyone who's been waiting for their sign, don't give up hope. I'm guessing that time works differently on the other side than it does here, and that perhaps there are no hard and fast rules for how quickly a sign may come to you. After experiencing the miracle I did, I am convinced that these kind of synchronicities are available to all of us if we just open our hearts and our minds. Ugh, isn't that beautiful? I love this story. Thank you for sharing that with us. I do too. And you know what it makes me think about, Deb? I feel like our guides know us maybe even better than we know ourselves, right? And if you have a naturally skeptical, doubting mind, like, yeah, that's kind of cool, but it'll never happen to me, which let's face it, that's like 99% of us. I know I was like that for years. I think that our guides specifically use these intricate and yet obvious in your face ways to let us know. And it's almost like I've received signs like this where you had to like really put the pieces of the puzzle together. And then it's like this aha moment. And I feel like my guides are kind of laughing at me like, yeah, Samantha, we know that's how your mind works. And that's what you need to really, you know, believe in all of this. And I feel like the way her guides revealed this sign really let her know like, yep, we're with you, but we had to give it to you in this really cool, intricate way so that we could bypass any doubts you have that that won't happen to you. Absolutely. Sometimes I think, and I think I said this a minute ago, sometimes I think the universe just kind of has to knock us on the head and say, hello, let's see if we can get through to you with this kind of clarity. And at the same time, turn this into a treasure hunt. Think back to all that we went through to get clarity on the messages that Jean was sending after she died. Our, right. Jean, our palm reader friend. <clears throat> and the circuitous route that she went through, and we had to have help from Dale and all sorts of other folks to get through to a very simple message from her. And the message was be happy, right? Mm -hmm. But good golly, look at what we went through to get there. I'm grateful she didn't give up. I'm grateful she kept trying to get that message to me that that was important enough to her that she needed to do that. But I think our guides do too. And I think they have fun sometimes with us. I think this was, this is such a joyous story. It's like, oh, well, 
Let's see if we can put these pieces of the puzzle together and see if she can work this out. And you did. And, and that's wonderful that you got it. They have to take their time chipping away at the doubt that blocks their ability to communicate with us. So for example, I have two things to say about that. One, I still have not heard from my dad. And yeah, I'm a medium and have not been able to connect with my father. And it really is bugging me. And I've said on this show many, many times, my daughter, Chloe, is way more psychic than you and I combined. She's just got that natural ability. It's amazing. And she has had so many dream visits with my father. And he keeps saying to her, like, I can't come to Samantha yet because I'm too angry and sad. And so once I drop that from my aura, I know I'll be able to connect with my dad. So I'm having patience and I hope he's having patience with me too. But it takes a lot of time to chip away at that years of, of doubt and skepticism we've built up from maybe our parents, our religion, society, culture, who knows. Do you remember that beautiful email story we read in July's Q&A from our listener who lost his brother as a child? Yes. And waited his whole life to hear from him and finally did. Okay, so he responded to my email back to him. And he was talking about all the little things that led up to that. Like, he was like, you know, I read this book. And then I looked at this story. And then I listened to your podcast. But it was like all these little steps that had to chip away at his highly intelligent mind. And those years of, you know, we don't talk about this. We don't, you know, we don't deal with this. This isn't for us in order for his brother to be able to connect with him. And so I think it just, she's right. Like this story hopefully will bring a lot of inspiration to others to be patient and keep asking for those signs. But I think it's also an example of how we really have to chip away at some of the layers we've built up in our aura. And it's not our guides and abilities. It's, it's ours or our unwillingness subconsciously sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Before we dive into our next question, let's take a quick break. This podcast episode is sponsored by Eva from Down to Earth Oils. Eva has created an aroma just for listeners of Psychic Teachers podcast called Angel's Aura. Feel guided and protected by this heavenly blend of pomegranate, green tea, rose, and amber with just a wisp of citrus. Let yourself go and feel lifted by this limited edition scent. Angel's Aura is specially crafted to enhance your intuition and quiet your mind. It is available exclusively from Down to Earth Oils. Find this oil and much more at Down to Earth Oils on their website, downtoearthoils.com. And in September, Denise and I are teaching Mediumship 101. In this jam-packed four-week class, you'll have an opportunity to work with partners to help you learn your unique method for linking in with the other side. Denise and I have different methods for mediumship, so you'll learn several ways of tuning in so you can discover the best techniques that work for you. In addition to the partner work in four live classes, you'll also receive guided meditations, lots of handouts, and tools designed to help you understand and strengthen your mediumship. Just go to samanthafay.com and click the Upcoming Events tab to sign up. And I want to invite you to join me on Tuesday, September 12th for a really special course. It's entitled Interpreting Your Personal Messages from Your Animal Guides. If you want to delve into the lessons, your guides are teaching you specifically and how you can connect with them on a much deeper level, then this course is for you. You can join either an afternoon or an evening section. And I so hope you'll subscribe to my free monthly newsletter. It features great articles about crystals and tarot and esoteric ideas and book reviews. And it features a free downloadable meditation. Thanks, Deb. Just remember, you can go to debbowen.com or samanthafay.com to keep up with all the wonderful things we have coming up. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And let's get back to the show. Okay, welcome back. Deb, would you like to share our next one? Sure. I'm writing you from England as a huge fan of your podcast. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you for listening. I'm working my way through your entire backlog. Oh, God bless you. And if I don't listen to a podcast for a few days, I miss it. I have always been drawn to spirituality since childhood. And at around 10, I began collecting crystals in a small shop on holiday in Cornwall, buying spell books to try with my friends and avidly writing down my dreams to decipher their meanings. When I was having a turbulent time as a teenager, I leaned into spirituality all the more. I still find dreams written in notebooks in my drawers from up to 15 years ago. I have struggled to find complete faith, believing in the other side, despite always believing other people's stories about spirits. I simply hadn't had a clear enough experience to convince me. Earlier this year, a friend of mine passed away. We weren't particularly close, having only met a couple of times working together at a festival. He was a charming, sweet, and talented boy who I often recommended for work. He was a brilliant sculptor, and his death was a tragedy. Before attending the funeral, I felt a great need to offer something to his wife. I found a beautiful poem called Grief by John O'Donohue, which I wrote out in a card with a message of condolence. I attached a packet of seeds of the flower Love in a Mist. Oh, those are beautiful flowers, which I also painted on the front of the card. I understand the process of doing things like this is a cathartic one and something that helps me, possibly a lot more than the receiver. It was suggested that people bring biodegradable items to throw into the grave where Ben was to be buried. I drew a little card for him also. The funeral was beautiful. It requested that people wear colors instead of black, and I arrived in a sea of around 500 people beautifully dressed in colors, silk kimonos. Someone was even dressed up as a banana. It was one of the most moving events of my life, albeit heartbreaking. The funeral began as a song I knew and light began to play. I gave his wife the card and dropped Ben's card into the grave with a flower. On my way home, I thought I would play the song again somewhat sadly thinking how, in my mind, it would always be his funeral song. As it began to play, I thought there must be something wrong with my car, as I could hear some other indistinct noise in the background. I paused the music, which was playing from a speaker, not the car, to find the car radio had come on without me turning it on. As it dawned on me that Ben was there with me in that moment, reminding me not to let the song become a sad one through this small but significant gesture. I burst into grief-filled but joyous tears. I have no doubt it was him reaching across the veil to me at that moment. I am so grateful for this experience as it has solidified my faith in ways I simply could not attain before. And in that small gesture, I was able to know he was okay. Well, first of all, let me say that I am so sorry for the loss of what your friend and what a lovely person he must have been. I really, that was really hard. Um, and I am so glad that he gave you so many beautiful gifts in that time. His presence in your car on the radio wasn't the only gift he gave you. Now, I know that's the one that that's, you seem to be focusing on in the writing of, of this letter, but it also was so much more. It, it seems to me that he gave you many gifts uh, in his passing. And looking at the, the metaphor of the seeds and that idea of life renewing itself, as seeds, of course, remind us that we do. We, we plant lovely ideas and thoughts and prayers and hopes and dreams every time we plant a seed. And love in the mist is such a beautiful flower. I have grown it as well, so I'm familiar with it. And I just, I do love it. And I love the name. I don't think that was an accident that love 
is eternal. There was a, an Indian avatar whose name is Mayor Baba. And one of the things that Baba said in, in some of his writing was one of my favorite lines. And it's, love alone prevails. And I love that sentence. Love alone prevails. And so throughout eternity, throughout relationships, throughout changes of, of where we are in the cosmos, love prevails. And in the mist, when we can't see it sometimes, there is love there. When it is just gossamer and beyond our touch. And that's another piece of the gift that I think that you were also given. And 500 people at a funeral is amazing. It's just, I mean, that's a, that's a wonderful tribute to, to your friend, to Ben, and to all of you and your connections to each other, because that's a gift that you gave back to him and to his family, was that caring and that kindness. I, I know I've recently come from a, several funerals with friends and friends, parents who have died, and I, I lost a good friend recently, and there were a lot of us at two different services for him. And I understand what you mean about music and the power that music has to transcend and support and solidify our emotions in some way. In, in the traditional funeral service for my friend, it began with a woman with an amazing voice coming from the back of the room, walking towards the pulpit, and she's singing that wonderful old gospel bluegrass hymn, I'll Fly Away. And when she started singing, I started crying. Oh, I would have too. Wow. Oh, was, we all did. It was just it was just a beautiful experience. And, and so we find common ground mm -hmm. in music and in ways that, that we connect with each other. So I invite you to go back to what you said here initially is to remember that spirit never dies and what a gift that you had this experience and, and your friend and know indeed that in, in, he is okay. That's beautiful. Okay. Our next one says, I wanted to share the story to bring hope to those trying to have children who have also been unsuccessful. I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome at about 15 and have struggled with my body since. I've had horrible self-image, major hormone imbalances, eating disorders, you name it, I've gone through it. I was told by my gynecologist that conception would likely be very difficult and that I would undoubtedly need medical treatment to conceive. I'm now nearly 30, happily married, and have been well on my path of light work for a few years. Two years ago, my husband and I decided to begin trying to conceive and agreed it was time to have children. After trying for a while without any luck, we took a break from actively trying to conceive and I began looking to my guides for help. I did oracle card readings, meditation, diet changes, anything to help. One thing that kept coming up was a card in my oracle deck that was indicative of healing my inner child. In my meditations, I received guidance on healing my inner child and was shown that I could not conceive until I healed my own inner child trauma first. After quite a bit of work and healing, my husband and I decided to try again. I didn't think anything of it and was just going to continue on with my normal everyday life to try and avoid obsessively testing to see if I was pregnant. Out of the blue, a black rabbit appeared in our yard way out in the woods. It looked like it was someone's pet and it consistently would hang around my house in my garden, but would never eat any of my plants. It was just there. Shortly after this, I had a vivid dream where I appeared to go within my body in a room filled with eggs where I picked one specific egg with my husband and delivered it to another woman that was with us. After this dream, I knew it was time to take a pregnancy test. And sure enough, after two years, it finally had two lines instead of one. If I learned anything from this experience, it's that our guides are always here with us and always available to guide us. We just have to listen. And I hope that any other person out there struggling to conceive like me gets to see those two lines as well. Thank you, ladies, for sharing your light. Much love to you and all the other listeners. Oh, Deb, isn't that such a beautiful story of how we can always go within for answers and guidance? Absolutely. That's beautiful. And sometimes it is just that. We have to heal our inner child. And if anyone is listening to this, because we've done shows on the inner child on my other podcast, Enlightened Empaths, and afterwards we got so many emails what's an inner child? How can I explore this? So I would always recommend John Bradshaw's work on healing the inner child. I think he 
is kind of the quintessential author on that. Would you agree? Absolutely. I read his work years ago, and I think it stood the test of time. I do, too. Um, and the <laughs> fact that the black rabbit appeared in her yard, I mean, what talk about signs, you know, what represents fertility more than a rabbit? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank I you for sharing that. And congratulations on your pregnancy. Our next one says, many years ago, I set up a small hidden area of my yard with a secret garden, a little pond in the corner and a small seating area. It's mostly covered in grapevines during about half the year. I've added fairies and gnomes since the beginning, and I've even had to repaint some of them because of the sun fading over, fading them over the years. I love my hidden fairy garden and love to meditate or just sit and relax. Over the last two years, I have been learning and growing. My husband first brought it up, and now I can see there might be a problem. He mentioned that I have a horseshoe on the gate going in and that fairies don't like iron. As I look around at my good, beautiful garden, I see iron everywhere. The fencing around my yard, shepherd's hook holding lights, the seating, wind chimes, the nails in the uh, pergola, pergola, pergola and so much more. Have I made a place that the fairy folks would not like or be able to stay in? Do I need to remove all the iron? Is there something I can do that will let them know that they're welcome here? I don't think you got a problem. <laughs> I don't know. Samantha, you're the one with the fairy garden. Maybe you should answer this one. Well, it, this made me think about our interview with Christopher Hughes when he said, he thinks iron got associated with fairies because of the industrial age and how we stopped connecting with nature. Yeah. And that's what really keeps them out isn't a piece of iron, but our focus on, you know, building and constructing and technology and not focusing on nature, which is really interesting. However, comma, if you read Joshua Cushion's work, he's written a lot of books on connecting the dots between all sorts of different myths and things we have about these these hidden beings. So she could look at that work as well. I think it's important to know, in my opinion, everything is about intention. And if you created this secret garden as a way to connect within and with nature and with, you know, the the hidden folk, they will know that. And I would like to think they could overcome iron. So I, I really think it's important to just let this set the, set the intention. You know, this is a safe space for you. And maybe leave an opening where there is no iron around that garden. But I, I, I agree with you, Deb. I think it's absolutely fine. And it's a beautiful sanctuary you've created. And they'll recognize that. I think so, too. Another thing to think about is that they like shiny things. They like milk and honey. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing to put out this time of year or not, but maybe. They like things that make noise. So, you know, you might want to try making some wind chimes out of something other than metal is a, a thing to think about. But again, I think that the intent and your presence there and where you can just say to them, I'm here and I'm welcoming you in this space with me. I, I think then you're fine. Well, I told you like our fairy tree has been inactive since my kids grew up, but when they were little, one thing that they would always do is, you know, we went on walks all the time and they would pick up things as kids do. They'd pick up shiny, pretty rocks or seashells or a feather they found or a twig or whatever. And they would always bring it as a gift to the fairy tree. Just being a co-participant in, in the magical hidden world is really important. So maybe just if you find something beautiful in your day or in your house, you know, just leave it around the fairy garden. That could help too. Right, exactly. Okay, our next one says, a few weeks ago, I did a past life regression meditation for the first time. I was listening to a guided audio, and I had just reached the part where I opened the door to a past life and was walking down a hall. Just after opening this door in my meditation, all of a sudden, there was a knock on my door, literally. I got up and opened the door. It was my cousin. She had stopped by unexpectedly to pick up some pottery she had made over six months ago at a ceramics party that I hosted. I thought maybe this was a sign that her and I could be connected through a past life in some way. While I don't see her all that often, we do have a great bond and lots in common. I shared this story with my best friend, and he immediately suggested I could have been a ceramicist in a past life. I started working with Clay only a year prior, 
And while I don't see myself as a master in this medium, I have received lots of praise at my community studio. I've never taken any classes and they were shocked when they saw me throw for the first time. As I reflect, I have always been drawn to this art form and feel deeply connected to it. Another friend of mine suggested that I just wasn't ready to see what was at the end of the hall in my past life regression session. I would love to hear your take on this. Could my cousin stopping by to pick up her pottery be a sign to ponder or just a coincidence or perhaps the universe telling me it's not the right time to revisit this past life? Well, you know, you got to connect all those dots. And I don't think things happen out of the blue for no reason. And so if you were about to open that door and then someone knocked on your door in, in your real life, I, I do think that's connected. And the fact, look, I have taken pottery. I have taken so many pottery classes. It's embarrassing for me to show you all what I've created in those pottery classes. And the first time I hit the wheel and the, I don't know, 12th time I hit the wheel never was a good outcome and nobody was shocked or impressed. I can tell you that much. So the <laughs> fact that <laughs> the fact that you took to this media, that's not an easy medium. Wouldn't you agree, Tab? It's hard. Samantha, you know, you've been in my house. You know, I own, own oh, absolutely yeah. breathtaking pottery, some of it by some of the best potters in the world. And I'm very grateful for all of that. And I'm grateful for their talent because I couldn't begin to put a piece of clay on a wheel and do anything with it. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, so I definitely think that is all connected. Deb, would you mind sharing your drum story? Because I think it's significant in terms of what she experienced. Well, golly, you know, I I did a past life regression session some years ago. This is the story. This is a past life that I can document that the time and the name of the person I said I was existed. It was fascinating. A day or two later, I got in my mailbox, like, you know, my mailbox out in front of the house. Wait, I have to interrupt you because that's not going to mean anything to listeners. Tell them who you were in the past life regression. Oh, golly, you know, okay, all right. Who I was, was a nun so when I started the regression session, and this was with my friend Dale, who, who is not doing regression sessions anymore at this point in time. But when I started it, I, I, she had me lay down on a sofa and get comfortable. And I said to her, I don't want to go back to any of those nun lifetimes. I know I've been a nun many times. And she laughed and she said, we can't control that. You'll just go where you go. So she put me in that hypnotic state. And she said that I started just wiggling my feet. And she said to me, what's going on with your feet? And I said, shoes. And she said, what kind of shoes? And I said, nun shoes. And I was back in a lifetime as a nun. And, and the, I saw several stages of that lifetime. But at some point, I was a nun uh, in a Great Lakes community working as a teacher. That was uh, Jean and, and her husband were there with me. It was a, a lot of stuff happened in that lifetime. And a couple of days later, in my mailbox was a drum. And I'm talking here, it was probably not four inches around. It was the and made out of inexpensive rawhide. It was something that you would find in some kind of a tourist area back in the days when folks would stop at uh, tourist places when you were traveling by car. But stamped in the leather on the top of the drum was the word Windake, W-I-N-D-A-K-E. And I looked that word up and it was a subgroup of the Huron peoples, which is probably where I was. And I took that drum to be confirmation that that experience of learning about that lifetime was very real and very clear. And I was able to find pictures of that uh, order later when photography came in. This happened, my, that lifetime, by the way, was, was very early on in American history. And I was able to find photographs of, of some of the sisters when photography came available. I am sure that if the shoes were as uncomfortable as the habits appeared to be, I'm sure I was miserable in those shoes. 
Is that why you're always shoeless when I see you at your house? <laughs> That's why I'm shoeless all the time. That's why I'm always shoeless. I taught school for how many years when there never wore shoes in a classroom. I just think that is such a cool story because you still don't know who put that drum in your mailbox. No idea. Again, what are the odds? Like, what are the odds that that would appear right after you had this regression experience? What are the odds that her cousin would appear asking for her ceramics to pick up right after she had this experience? And then she'd be drawn to taking this ceramics class and realize, lo and behold, I'm pretty good at this. Right. And I think that our past lives reveal themselves to us at the time in which we need to remember them. Don't you? I do. I do. I mean, you know, I think it's fascinating and fun, and I've certainly done it, to to have a past life session and, and kind of see what comes up. But I also think that at some deep, deep level, we already know. Mm -hmm. And that when when we need to focus on the message and the lessons that we need to continue learning from, from a former life, it surfaces. Yeah, I agree. Well, wow. These were great questions and stories, weren't they? Indeed. I love hearing from our listeners and uh, I just find them so impactful and inspiring. So thank you guys so much for listening, for taking time out of your day and your life to drop us a note, share a story or an insightful question that will help and inspire others. Remember, you can always email us, psychicteachers at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us on our Facebook page, Psychic Teachers, so you can share more and keep up with everything we're doing. We hope you guys have a beautiful, wonderful, magical week. Please remember to be the light for yourself and others. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Psychic Teachers, your podcast for seekers, lightworkers, mystics, and magical thinkers. If you like the show, please tell a friend or leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page, Psychic Teachers, or our websites, samanthafay.com and debbowen.com. I have a new book out called The Awake Dreamer, Lucid Dreaming, Astral Travel, and Mastering the Dreamscape. You can find it wherever books are sold. Thanks for listening and have a great week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.